Coming up on Podcast 1894, an improved VW ID4 and ID5, a refreshed Polestar 2, and great Mac E sales. Stick around, I'll tell you more. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information. It's Thursday, 7th of September. I'm Martin Lee, and I've been through hundreds, if not over a thousand EV stories the past 24 hours to bring you this, like a TLDR of the EV world. No one else is doing this, and I hope that this is a good 20 minutes, 20 minutes is often longer, that we spend together each day so that at the end of it, you know exactly what you need to know about what's happening in the world of electric vehicles. We go live at 5pm UK, midday Eastern. Patreon supporters get the episodes as soon as they're ready and ad-free. Be like them by clicking on a link in the show notes. We'll start with great news about the Ford Mustang Mach-E sales, a 61% sales increase in August, securing its spot as the United States' second favourite electric SUV, trailing the Model Y from Tesla. Despite a 20% sales dip earlier in the year because of adjustments to their Mexico plant, the Mach-E bounced back in August, 533 units sold, a rise from the 8,633 over the combined April to June period. This resurgence is chalked off to Ford's lease and retail offers of the Mac-E. There's a 1.9% APR 60-month term and a $3,000 bonus cash incentive for their 2023 models of the Mac-E. And what about the F-150 Lightning? Well, after a six-week hiatus to upgrade their Rouge electric vehicle plant, uh, the Ford F-150 Lightning is ramping its production numbers. They told the Electric website that the facility will triple its output, targeting 150,000 units a year by this time next year, next April, uh, next autumn, sorry. It'll enhance the availability of popular trims as well, like the XLT and the Pro Trim, which is now available to consumers, not just fleets. Link in the show notes. Yesterday on the podcast, I talked about how perhaps some of the established car makers were really quick to throw out the baby with the bathwater. There's nothing wrong with names like VW Golf, VW Polo, and Passat. I mean, those names, those nameplates, uh, uh, the, the 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 fame of them, if you like, of those battles have been hard won. And yet so many moved over to like the ID names, Mercedes, of, of course, they're with their IQ names, EQ names, sorry. And so uh, funny enough that 24 hours later at the IAA show in Munich, VW were talking about the Golf going all electric. And uh, uh, they're talking about the 2028 release date of the electric Golf. Of course, there is an e-Golf already, but this will be custom built on the new SSP platform, which will be 800 volt architecture. It'll sit size-wise somewhere between the ID2 and the ID3. And they're targeting charge speeds, obviously with a new platform, very high voltage architecture of 12 minutes to get to 80%. And that is just incredible incredible progress but honestly by 2028 we will be recharging our cars in 12 minutes some already are just doing a splash and dash for 10 minutes so that's this isn't pie in the sky sci-fi stuff if you have a a decent charging car like a, a tesla or the egmp cars from the koreans some of the other oh, new Polestar, I'll talk about that in a minute. That charges well over 200 kilowatts. The BMWs, Mercedes as well are fast charging. And um, you can you can stop for 10, 15 minutes and you're genuinely done if you can find a DC fast charger with a pretty chunky amperage. Link in the show notes to that new VW Golf. It's a ways off, but I wanted to mention it. 
Now, also at the IAA show in Munich, VW unveiled enhancements to their ID4 and ID5. That's the slopey back version of the ID4. A standout feature is an integration of a more efficient electric motor that's being used in the ID7, replacing the earlier 150 kilowatt motor in most models. The new motor is the APP550. That's their internal code name for it. It's 210 kilowatts, not 150. It's more efficient and offers range improvements. Also borrowed from the ID7, not just the motors, but uh, other technologies like the battery preconditioning to ensure optimal charging in whatever temperature, and you can manually start the battery preconditioning as well, as well as navigating to a DC fast charger or HPC which is what you want to see. The ID4 models with the 82 kilowatt hour battery, so that is 82 kilowatt hours gross, 77 usable, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, has the bigger screen. So if you go for the bigger battery, you get the bigger screen. If you go for the smaller 62 kilowatt hour battery, you get the smaller display, the current display, I should say, which is 12 inch. The new screen is the 12.9 inch center screen. The bigger screen has an improved user interface, better climate controls, more intuitive, more newer revamped menus. The gear selector has been repositioned to a stalk on the steering column now on the right hand side. And the ID4 S trim, again, these are US trims with the big battery, 82 kilowatt hour gross, 77 usable offers ventilated seats. Now, while the S Plus has a brand new Carbon Carden nine-speaker audio system with a 16-channel amp, and for the model year, 2024 model year in the United States, the standard and S trims with the small battery and rear-wheel drive, I think, remain largely unchanged. The Pro variants with the big battery uh, are where you will see a lot of these changes. The Production will still be in Chattanooga, Tennessee for the US made ones. All of the models are available for the $7,500 federal tax credit. We're awaiting official EPA figures, but Volkswagen expects the new motors to boost the vehicle's range. Link to that story in the show notes if you want to find out more. Let's talk Polestar 2. And since launching three years ago, Polestar, the original kind of racing partner or brand name of Volvo, under Geely's management, has become its own thing, has now shipped 150,000 Polestar 2s, a really popular vehicle. And the new 2024 model year has some big enhancements, a new smart zone front grille housing the forward-facing sensors and cameras. I think it looks really sharp, actually. It does bring the design language into all the future Polestars that we've seen. There's uh, the single and dual motor versions of the Polestar 2. Both of those now sport 19-inch wheels, comes in the US at least with the Michelin Primacy 4 tyres. The single motor variant, priced at $51,300, has a motor on the rear axle, not the front, and that makes for a more dynamic driving experience. It also has a larger motor and a more efficient motor, like the VW that we've just been talking about. The output increases to 295 horsepower from 228. It accelerates in 5.9 seconds, an improvement of 1.1 seconds. Uh, The new battery uh, is 79 kilowatt hours from CATL, and it extends the EPA range to 320 miles and the fast charging rate to 205 kilowatts. And I can confirm that from watching Björn Newland's videos. He's the Norwegian YouTuber, and he had a rear-wheel drive new Polestar 2 with the CATL battery. I think he pulled 77 kilowatt hours from it in his range test, uh, where he top it up, 
drive as far as you can, work out how much uh, energy goes back into the battery then from zero to 100, making sure that you account for anything that was left in it. And I think it was about 77, which is really impressive, actually. Small buffers by the look of it. But this new battery technology from CATL uh, with a bigger battery capacity means they can advertise it as having over 320 miles on the EPA, which is, you know, psychologically, it starts with a three. The dual motor versions don't get the new battery, though. So the single motor, rear axle, fantastic. If you want all the range, get that one. If you want all the power, get the dual motor. That still has the smaller, which is odd because it's more expensive and it's more premium, the smaller 75 kilowatt hour battery. That was made by LG Chem, I think, if memory serves me correctly. But the range still grows, 276 miles, because they've put their new, more efficient, bigger motor on the rear axle, again, of the all-wheel drive vehicles. And they've uh, worked out how to better manage the software to shut off, disconnect the front motor when it's not needed. So the all-wheel drive versions get a bump in range as well. Starting uh, at $56,700 for the all-wheel drive version, $64,400 for the performance version. Uh, 416 horsepower. That starts at 11 kilowatt AC charging and all of those. The single motor version of the Polestar 2 has a new $2,000 pilot package and uh, standard though on the dual motor versions. That's the adaptive cruise, the LEDs, the driver aids. The plus package was about four grand. Now it's two grand. That adds the heat pump, the big Harman Kardon sound system and the performance package on top of that, which adds the 20 inch wheels, the Erlins dampers, uh, is uh, I don't think as much as it was before as well. Every model, though, comes with a wireless phone charger, also dimming side mirrors, uh, new st- uh, steering modes as well, adjustable regen. Creep mode is... is uh, toggleable if you like so you can switch that off one pedal driving uh, twin tube shocks and multi-link rear suspension across the board so a big upgrade on this Polestar said they don't do model years as in big upgrades but this is a proper proper refresh but how is that in context well this vehicle starts at $51,300 the Model 3 from Tesla starts at $41,630 long range version is 333 miles EPA a, that's $48,000. So it's still cheaper to get a Tesla, but that's why we love choice, because everyone's different, right? So if you want the minimalist thing and the Tesla thing, you can do that. And if you want a bit more of a, uh, I don't know what the word is, it's not premium because Teslas can feel quite nice, can't they? But um, it's just a, it's just different. It's got the center console. Um, it feels more enclosed. You're more cocooned in the Polestar and uh, a few more fabrics more Swedish design. It's just, you know, it's horses for courses, isn't it? So uh, I'll pop a link to that story in the show notes if you would like to read more. Polestar also announcing at the IAA show in Munich that uh, the CEO, Thomas Ingenlath, talking about their smartphone. This is amazing. Apple, the you know, biggest company in the world, can't make an electric car. And yet, an electric car maker who's been around three years, Polestar, can make a mobile phone. Uh, but yeah, I'm being slightly cheeky saying that. Uh, but still, uh, he says that the phone will be on the market by the end of the year. Uh, the Geely, who owns them, have a smartphone subsidiary, of course, because these Chinese companies are sprawling, called Xinji Meizhu. I think I say that, but I'm probably wrong. Uh, and it offers, at the minute, mid-range phones in China. But thinking about the kind of upscale audience that buy Polestars... And the premium branding, you might think, actually, they're going to try and take that 
mobile phone brand they own, Xingji, and make it perhaps a bit more of a premium thing for Western buyers. It runs its own OS at the minute, derived from Android, but I imagine they'll tie the phone and the car in really well together. Look forward to seeing what Polestar do with their first phone. And while we're talking about mobile phones, what about a mobile phone company making cars? going the other way. Well, that would be Chinese smartphone giant Xiaomi kickstarting production for their EVs with 50 EV prototypes weekly being made for the last month. Could you try again? Oh no, watch. Shush, I'm recording a podcast. While China's economic planner has greenlit the production so far, Xiaomi also needs a nod from the Ministry of Industry and Information Technology in China, the MIIT, which evaluates the technical and safety credentials of new automakers. Uh, The trial phase sets the stage for mass production ambitions of Xiaomi with a significant hiring surge going on right now and into next year. During a recent earnings call, the president revealed that their first EV has cleared all of its summer testing and their goal is to launch mass production of the first Xiaomi EV in the first half of next year. So, Stick around, because next we'll talk about Tesla in China and Mexico. Volvo sales are doing really well. And the new Kia EV5, those stories are on the way. All right, welcome back. If you just heard some adverts, by the way, because you're listening to the free version of the show, firstly, thank you, because by listening to an ad or two, uh, you really help support this show, because this is how I pay my bills. And if you find this show useful, and you'd like to remove the ads from future podcasts, you can do that. Get your own RSS feed uh, by going on to Patreon. Be a producer, an exec, exec producer, or above, if you are, are a company or organisation you'd like to mention every day and be a sponsor, uh, you can do that too. If you'd like to, go to Patreon, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash evnewsdaily to find out more. Now, Tesla celebrated the production of its 2 million EV at Giga Shanghai recently. The first million took 33 months to get to. In August 22, they hit the first million number. The next million took just 13 months. And if you zoom out, Tesla's global production tally is 5 million vehicles. So Shanghai has already contributed to 40% of Tesla as a business. Uh, Predictions indicate the plant might represent over half of Tesla's total production by the end of the year. Giga Shanghai is the world's biggest all-electric car production site with a capacity believed to be over a million vehicles a year. Tesla officially stated it as 750,000, but we know it's more than that. But what about where they're building in Mexico? Tesla, as highlighted by Forbes Mexico, has yet to obtain the required permits to kickstart construction of their gigafactory in Nuevo León. Elon Musk unveiled the ambitious multi-billion dollar project in March, projecting a 36-month build. Should permits be granted by the end of the year, the facility could be operational by late 2026. Currently, Tesla Manufacturing Mexico is an offshoot of the parent company. All they've applied for is land use classifications, not actually the uh, permits to build a factory to make cars inside. They want to transform 260 hectares of forest into an industrial zone. Awaiting approval, Tesla, according to a confidential document seen by Forbes, intends to subsequently seek construction and operational permission. So this is not going to be like China. In Mexico, it won't be like the China. You know, it's 12 months to the day. And it was the opening ceremony. They started some production before that, actually. But it was, they did it to say it was 12 months to the day from breaking ground to making cars. It won't be that in Mexico, but it'll still be pretty quick. Let's talk Volvo and plug-in sales doing really well globally. In August last month, Volvo Global reported 51,636 cars sold, 78% up on the year. And plug-in electric vehicle sales were 17,000 of those. That's a 32.9% of Volvo's business having a plug on the side of it. 
All electric vehicle sales was up 167% from the same time last year. Plug-in hybrids up by just 46%. Year-to-date, Volvo's plug-in sales, 172,000 globally, making 38% of the business. So it's anywhere between you know a third and two-fifths of the business at Volvo are EVs and plug-ins. Forecasts indicate that their recharge brand could hit 300,000 vehicles this year. Europe is the biggest market by far, followed by the US, and then China's pretty small uh, beans, actually. Uh, the forthcoming EX90, the EX30, and the EM90 will certainly mean that that share goes over 50%, and they're aiming for 100% by 2030. Now, Kia at the Chengdu Motor Show in China recently showed off the EV. Five. The EV5 is like a shrink-wrapped EV9, like a baby EV9, targeting families, millennial families, young families. Uh, they say that the striking boxy silhouette, which is a bit like you've freeze-dried an EV9, to be honest with you, uh, it looks striking, very striking uh, bumpers on it. The detailed specs, we don't know yet. There's an EV day. Kia's EV day is coming soon, I think. And so we'll get more details about that. Built on the EGMP platform. I think one of the Chinese documents that we saw said it had a 214 horsepower single electric motor. BYD blade battery made in China as well, not Korea. So they'll probably position that to compete with the base model Y. Uh, but it, it'll be a much cheaper, much cheaper car than the base Model Y. So we'll see more about that when we get details. Let's talk Jaguar reigniting their ambition to make an EV variant of the XJ sedan under a new name. The brand anticipates the launch of two new EVs by 2025. First, a four-door GT, speculated to be their most potent offering yet. As it often happens when car makers go EV, they make the most powerful thing that they've ever done. Uh, more powerful than the uh, XE Project 8. That's about 500, 600 horsepower, I think, that one. Uh, but this will be an upscale electric sedan. The original strategy... Well, <laughs> Jaguar's had many strategies over recent years, I must be honest with you. Um, was going to be... Uh, The GT first and then two SUVs. The first of those SUVs being a big premium, you know, Bentley Bantega competitor constructed on Jaguar's long wheelbase electric architecture. Uh, The lineup of the uh, GT coming first looks like it'll be adhered to those. That'll be a Taycan competitor and then the SUV next. So we'll wait and see what uh, what Jaguar uh, do. But... Plans have changed a lot there. I think they'll change again. That's the latest we know from Autocar magazine. Audi are next in the news. They've unveiled their newest charging hub in a district of Munich. The fifth one that they've got following Nuremberg, Zurich, Berlin and Salzburg. And the hub has four high-powered chargers, 320 kilowatts each. There's also... Big grid storage they've got there, 1.05 megawatt hours of energy storage, which means that uh, they could charge up to 60 vehicles probably um, without if the grid connection went down. So a big grid buffer there with some big containers full of batteries. That's very cool. A great location in southern Munich uh, puts it amongst drivers who want to stop after doing some shopping and dining and some leisure activities and charge their Audi. It's for everyone, though, I should point out. Audi drivers pay 35 
um, cents per kilowatt hour. Anyone else can go and use it for 50 cents. And Audi drivers can reserve a spot, hmm, a pre-booked charging slot. I have never tried that with the My Audi app, as I don't own an Audi and I'm not in Germany. But I wonder how that works in practice. If you've tried it, let me know. LG, next in the news. LG, uh, famous for their lithium-ion batteries, are introducing Prime Plus. It's a new residential energy storage system to compete with Tesla's Powerwall. It's an inverter and a battery system up to 32 kilowatt hours. Imagine that having that on your, your garage wall or on the side of your house. My battery's 10 kilowatt hours, and that suits us just fine. But this new solution from LG will be available in the US from to order from September, from this month. Uh, it'll feature continuous power during outages as well. It's got the grid integration to protect the VAT, which is essential, really, to be very useful. It'll work with any PV system and a great competitor to take us down. Tesla can't solve, you know, Tesla can't put a battery on everyone's wall. So they, we need competitors and LG getting into that as well. For my US listeners, if it's of interest, have a look into Prime Plus. Right, two more stories. And Charin, the consortium of EV stakeholders, if you like, advocates for uh, universal charging standards like CCS, MCS, and the uh, plug and charge standards. Um, it's launched Wireless Power Transfer Task Force, led by Siemens, Wytricity, and more to put in some standards for wireless EV charging, which I think is interesting because that wasn't there before, so that a wireless power transfer standard will exist. Uh, wireless charging fascinates me because it must have a use somewhere. Now, I don't mind plugging in my cable at home, but I don't know, taxi drivers, those on the move, uh, charging autonomous vehicles, for instance. Uh, and so Charin are looking after that. And I was going to do a big story next on uh, the US $15 billion investment into uh, from the US Department of Energy, but I'm already at 22 minutes, 23 minutes, so I'll save that for tomorrow, but it's interesting what's happening there. That's your podcast for today. Thanks to our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Porsche of the Village of Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland, and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley from Nevo.ie, and the Nevo EV Review Island YouTube channel, Octopus Electroverse, global public charging made simple with one app and one map, and lease plan electric moments, providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Have a good one, see you tomorrow, and remember there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.